Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. It's the first Sunday in the first day of 2023. So I want you to be honest. Remember, you're in church. The altars are open. They are available. I haven't opened them yet, but they are open if you need to repent. But how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolution? Go ahead. See, this is why I don't, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I learned this a long time ago. You know, I would get on the diet fad and say I'm going to lose weight, but I'm going to tell you the truth, church. I love fried chicken too much. <laughs> and that was my problem. Everything else I can do away with, but fried chicken, I could not cut that out of my diet. So... I learned if I didn't make a New Year's resolution, then I couldn't break one. So I just, that's my New Year's resolution. I'm not going to make one. So there we go. So Pastor Strickland wanted to take some time away. He and Miss Marcia, they did spend, I think, Thursday night uh, away. And um, they came back home because he didn't want to be in the traffic and all with New Year's and all of that. But he asked me if I could fill in for him today. And uh, so it's my privilege to fill in for him I'm not sure how much relaxation he got. Um, he was here at the 8 o'clock service, and he was, you may have seen him in the lobby um, in between Sunday school and all of that. But um, nonetheless, um, I'm filling in for him today, and it's my honor. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians 1.1, and we're going to be reading through to verse 10. It'll be on the screens if you don't have your Bibles. Um, I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. Um, we're just going to jump right into the Word. Are you okay with that? I'm not going to give an introduction. I'm not going to be fancy. I'm just going to jump right into the Word. So Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed." And in case that was not enough, Paul wants to reemphasize this again. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would release revelation in this house today. Release your love over every single person in this house today. God, help us to look, act, and walk more like you in everything that we do, God. May we speak every word that comes out of our mouth. May it be life-giving because that's who, that's who you are. You are life-giving. Help us to be totally sold out to you in 2023. Father, I don't know what's coming. Only you know. But God, I want to be found faithful 
at the end of 2023. Through it all, whatever it means, God, I want this church to be found faithful in your sight. Empower me with your Holy Spirit anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the next few minutes, I want to preach along these lines. When pleasing Jesus means more. When pleasing Jesus just simply means more. How many of you recognize that our ultimate goal in life, our primary objective, our primary reason for living could really be summarized in saying that we aim to please Jesus? I hope that you aim to please Jesus. I hope that's your goal in life. It's not our secondary purpose. It's not just somewhere on the list. It's not just in the top 10. It is our primary reason. Nothing else really matters. Nothing else has the weight. Everything pales in comparison to just knowing, serving, fulfilling, and living your life for Jesus. I can't speak for you, but when I think about all the things that Jesus has done for me, all the times that he has been there for me when whenever I needed him, all the times that he came through for me, all the times that he has been my defender. How many of you have had Jesus as your defender? All the, time, all the things that he has forgiven me of, I can't help but praise him. Some say that people that believe in God are simply using him as a crutch because they are weak. Well, let me tell you, friends, if that is the case, and you are looking at a very weak man standing behind this pulpit today, and I will gladly admit it because I need God in my life. Today, I believe there are people either here in person or maybe you're watching online, and you have lost your joy. I believe some of you have lost your joy because you have centered your life around pleasing other people instead of pleasing God. Today I want to talk about the dysfunction of wanting to please others above and beyond what Christ tells us to do. I don't know if you've ever thought of pleasing people as a dysfunction, but I'm here to tell you that any behavior that does not line up with the Word of God is a dysfunction. A dysfunction is anything that is not normal or proper behavior. And the standard that we all need to go by for what is normal is Scripture. Because here's what I know about serving God according to Jesus. This is his, these are his very words. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you have lost your joy, may I suggest that maybe you have accepted the wrong yoke. May I suggest that you might be putting too much emphasis on pleasing those around you and not enough time in just being a child of the Most High God. Because here's what I know. God has called us to obey Him, not every wish of man. In this epistle we read, we just read, we see the Apostle Paul do something that he hasn't done before. In this epistle, Paul doesn't praise, he doesn't celebrate, or give thanks for the Galatians. If you read in Romans 1, 1 Corinthians, Philippians 1, Colossians 1, and 1 Thessalonians, he starts out with praise and thanksgiving for the people, but he doesn't do that here. We can sense that Paul is on a mission with this epistle, and he is not holding back or wasting time. To tell you the truth, I wish we had more preachers like Paul in our world today that simply told it as it is instead of trying to perform an entertainment show behind the pulpit. Amen. Excuse me for just a second while I go on a tangent. 
Some people seem to think that they should be able to come to church and be entertained with a show. But darling, if you came to be entertained, you came to the wrong place. But if you came here today to be transformed, to be made new, to be the person God wants you to be and not the world, then you've come to the right place. I don't preach to entertain. I don't preach to entertain. I am not a performer. I don't preach a message that is popular with man because I don't do what I do for man. I do this for God. See, I don't preach man's message. I preach a message that existed before man was even created. So you'll have to excuse me if I ever offend you because I'm just telling you what this book says. And if this book says it's wrong, don't give me your opinion about it because quite frankly, I don't really care. If it says it's wrong, that's good enough for me. Because the last time I checked, Jesus was the one who saved me. So I'm gonna preach his message. And if you don't like it, take it up with the Holy Spirit. Sorry. You see, Paul was not concerned with the opinions of man. He didn't care if he was popular. He didn't preach man's gospel because no man could save him. He preached the entire unaltered, unhindered word of God. And I'm here to tell you, church, because of that, Paul saw results. And that's exactly what we see Paul doing here. He is addressing the issues within the Galatians. He, his directness gives us a bit of insight into the severity of their problem. Paul is utterly astonished. That's his word. Astonished here that the, that the, that the Galatians have been doped into believing a false gospel. So what was this new gospel? Paul tells us three things about it. First, it was an illegitimate gospel. Second, Paul tells us that it was not good, but it created trouble. And third, and this is arguably the worst part, it was a distortion of the true gospel. Allow me to let you in on a little secret. Satan loves to distort and twist and manipulate anything that God says and does. Read it throughout scripture. Go back to the Garden of Eden. What did he do? Did God really say he likes to distort. How many of you believe that we are seeing this take place in our world today? Everywhere you turn, you see a distortion of the truth, of reality. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, it used to be that a man was simply a man, and there was no argument about it. But now we see that Satan has distorted our gender roles, and we are told that even though their DNA proves that they are a man, we have to accept a lie. It seems today that Christians are afraid to voice and stand up for their beliefs because Satan has convinced us that we are supposed to simply cower down to whatever the majority says and does. And to be honest with you, this is my opinion, I don't think it is the majority, but Satan has convinced us that it is. But I want to tell you something. I still believe in a sanctified, purified, Holy Spirit-empowered church that stands on God's Word and His standard. Where are the people? that are willing to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. 
This other gospel that the Pharisees were propagating was one that was very familiar to them because it was a salvation that was based upon works. You see, just because something is familiar to you, just because it seems good, just because it feels good, just because it feels comfortable, just because it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, doesn't mean that it is beneficial or it is truth. Paul was amazed that someone would insist on attempting to pay for a free and might I add priceless gift. Paul was very familiar with the idea of working to earn your salvation because that was his upbringing. But the gospel he is now preaching since he has been saved, that Paul is now preaching about went against that idea. It went against common culture. It was went against what we were, what most were taught. It was not popular with the people because it didn't make sense to their legalistic minds. You see, the reason the blood of Jesus offended people back then is the same reason that it offends people today. The blood proves that we are not self-sufficient. The blood humbles us. It forces us to get rid of our pride because it demonstrates that we were not capable of fulfilling the law. We are not perfect, and in order to be made perfect in the sight of God, we needed Him to intervene by sending His Son to us. And now we are presented with the verse that I want us to zero in on, Galatians 1:10. You probably could tell this is the direction I was going. I've set the stage and now we're going to read this. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still, notice that, underline that in your Bible. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So by that word still there, we know that at one point in time, that was Paul's objective, to please man. But he says, I'm not doing that anymore. I want to start by addressing a misconception that many people have. I'm about to offend a whole bunch of people with my next statement, but praise the Lord if he gives it to me, then it needs to be said. The sad part is it's my very first point, so I'm about to offend you before I even get warmed up. We have coffee, it's warm in the cafe. You can grab one on your way out. Our first point this morning, God's goal for your life is not to please you, it's to grow you. How many of you just love going to the dentist? Doesn't the thought of going to the dentist just fill you with the warm and fuzzy feelings inside? I mean, I just get so comfortable. Every time I walk in, I smell that. Every dentist, I don't know what it is, every dentist's office smells the same. Everyone I've ever been in, and I've been into a few because I've had a lot of dental work done, they all smell the same. They've all got that scent. And the second I smell that, I mean, it just brings back good memories and good times. Amen? <laughs> I just hear the drill going in the background. I mean... Makes me feel so comfortable and just cozy and just like I'm right at home. I know many people that refuse to go to the dentist. The whole side of their mouth, and I've been one of these, may be swollen because of an impacted tooth. And you ask them about going to the dentist and they will tell you that they've never felt better in their entire life. <laughs> many don't know this little fact about me, but I was crazy at one point in time. This is before I got saved. Um, looking back on it, I'm glad that the Lord steered me in a different direction. But I actually thought about becoming a dentist. Before God called me, he delivered me. Um, but before he called me to ministry, I thought about becoming a dentist. And uh, I'm so glad I didn't because it seems like people avoid the dentist like a plague. I mean, they, they hear you're a dentist and that's all they want to do with you. 
But praise be to God that I can honestly say and stand here before you and say that I have never drank alcohol and I've never done drugs. But when they are prepping me to have any type of dental work, you best believe I am quick to receive any and all pain drugs to keep me comfortable because... <laughs> Like I have said before, dental pain and stepping on a Lego barefoot have something in common. There really is no other pain quite like it. I've had my fair share of dental work over the years, and so I know about dental issues. When I'm sitting in that dentist chair, I want to be kept as comfortable as possible. But how many of you know that in life, there are moments and seasons that we have to go through that are not comfortable? Saying see you later to a loved one that is passing away is not a comfortable experience. Dealing with the normal everyday stress of daily life in the 21st century is sometimes not comfortable. Being a parent, and yes, I, I'm a parent too, I have a fur baby at the house, is not always cupcakes, rainbows, and unicorns. Sometimes we encounter situations that are not comfortable. But here's what I see in our culture today. America has an addiction. And the addiction is probably not what you're thinking of. It's a dysfunction that is crippling the church. And I would say it is even crippling our nation today. While we are focused on the opioid crisis, and that certainly is a crisis. I do not want to, I do not want to belittle that. I can see Satan tempting us with something that is far less deadly and even silent, but deadly. It's the addiction to comfort. I'm convinced that some people love comfort more than they love Jesus. And that is a sad state of affairs. Let me be very clear on something right out of the gate. Jesus did not come to the earth to bring comfort. He came to confront. And sometimes, sometimes, he will confront your stagnant walk with him because his goal for your life is not comfort, it is your growth. While preparing this message, I came across a definition that Pastor Steve Smotherman uh, gave for distinguishing the difference between serving others and pleasing others. How many of you know there's a big difference between those two things? And I believe it's spot on. Pastor Smotherman said, serving is doing for others what they need to improve. Pleasing, on the other hand, is catering to their comfort. Let me give that to you one more time. Serving is doing for others what they need to improve. Pleasing is catering to their comfort. In other words, if you know someone that is struggling with an alcohol addiction, pleasing them would mean that you should go buy them a 12-pack and cater to that addiction. Serving them would mean you should encourage them to get help. Now, what in the world does comfort have to do with being a servant or a people pleaser? Today, we have people that seem to be convinced that if it's uncomfortable, then it must not be of God because God wants us to be comfortable all the time. Today, we have people inside the church that are convinced that Jesus would want us to allow people to do whatever they want because that is the world's message today, to accept everyone's behavior. Otherwise, you will be labeled as a bigot and judgmental person, that we should allow people to come as they are, and this is the key, stay as they are because we don't want to be offensive and that we should tolerate anything that makes anyone happy. I have one response to that. Jesus served the sinner by calling them out of their sin and he followed that up by telling them to go and sin no more. Jesus was not being judgmental 
Because when you are judgmental, you are often looking down on the person for your own personal gain to puff yourself up. But Jesus was looking at the behavior of the people, and he said, you know, this behavior does not match up with the word. Houston, we have a problem. Let me tell you, we are supposed to call out behavior that does not match up to the word. Is it comfortable? No. But it's the only way that we are going to grow. Well, pastor, I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's fine. Let's take a look in scripture. I don't want you to take anything that I say for face value. You, you run anything that I say through the word of God. And if it checks out, apply it. John 8, beginning at verse 1. Very popular passage. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But then they heard it and they went one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So what did Jesus do? He recognized the sin. He did not deny that she did wrong. He addressed the sin head on and he instructed her to go and sin no more. I'm here to tell you that Jesus did not cater to their sin. His command was always go and sin no more. And let me tell you, friends, that is serving people. Now hear me. Do we allow someone that is struggling with sin to walk into the church and worship Jesus with us? Absolutely. But you best believe that the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sins and make us uncomfortable. And there will come a time when the uncomfortableness will force us to make a decision. Am I going to leave the church and continue my fleshly desires? Or am I going to surrender my life and my will to God? I believe this is the reason many people end up backsliding from the faith. And allow me to say that part of it is the church's fault. The impression that many churches give people is to give your life to Christ and you will be comforted forever. But that's not the gospel that I read. The gospel that I read says that I'm supposed to pick up and carry my own cross. That doesn't sound comfortable to me. Let me tell you something. If giving your life to Christ meant that all your problems went away, becoming a Christian would be a piece of cake. But how many of you know that in order to say yes to Christ and follow after him, it necessitates you saying no to some other things? You can see that in the very beginning with Jesus' disciples. They had to leave behind a lot. Peter had to leave behind his nets. Jesus said, you're not going to fish anymore for fish. You're going to fish for man. You're going to fish for souls. He had to leave behind what he knew for something that he did not. You see, there's a misconception that is held by many in the church, and it is this. Many people believe that God aims to please them. And here's the problem with this. When things don't go your way, when the answer is not what you want, you automatically assume that God does not love you, and you throw in the towel because you thought this was going to be an easy walk where everything is catered to you on a silver platter. But here's the truth. 
Anytime Jesus did a healing, he always required something of the recipient of that healing. He only did for others what they couldn't do for themselves. He offered what only he could. He required others to do what they could. Jesus put mud on the blind, on the blind man's eyes, but then he told him to go and wash in the pool for himself. He healed the lame man and told him to get up and take his mat and walk for himself. He did not carry the man or his mat. The sad reality today is we have many people that think they are preachers that stand behind pulpits across this nation. And instead of serving people and encouraging them out of their sin, they encourage them to stay in sin by telling them it's okay, you were born this way, so just cave into your desires. Listen, we were all born into sin. This preacher was born into sin. But there comes a time when you have to renounce who you once were so that you can grow into the person that God wants you to truly be and who he designed you to be. And let me tell you something, that is not comfortable. There's a lot of pruning that takes place. In Galatians 1, we read that Paul is addressing the issue of salvation whose foundation is based on works instead of faith. Paul's entire letter, letter to the Galatian church focuses on this issue. And just in case you were wondering, there is nothing that you can do to earn your salvation other than to humble yourself and admit that you are in capable. It's not the comfortable thing to do. It's not the so-called manly thing to do. It goes against the self-made man or woman agenda. But let me tell you, it's the only way that you are going to receive salvation. You can't come to the cross and receive the blood of Christ without being humbled and moved by your very own shortcomings and failures. Because as you look in the eyes of your Savior Jesus hanging on that cross, you will see a man that chose to hang in your place and pay a price that he didn't have to pay. But he chose to. If Paul were concerned about their comfort then he wouldn't have said anything about their issues. But Paul's goal for the Galatians was not that they would be comforted, but that they would grow in their knowledge of who Christ really was. You see, when I first started preaching, I would judge the quality and effectiveness of the message based upon the response that I got. But not so anymore. See, it's something that I kind of caught from Pastor Jim Rayleigh. You see, I've learned that the real sign of an effective message is sometimes not a clap, but a squirm. When I see people squirming in their chairs, I know that the Holy Spirit is doing something and growth is taking place. How many of you are willing to say, Lord, in 2023, no matter what it costs me, no matter how uncomfortable it is, I want to grow and be closer to you. Purge my life of anything that does not look like you, act like you, testify like you, because I want to be like you in 2023. I want to take this a step further. While God's goal for your life is growth, Satan's goal is that you will become comfortable with the dysfunction of comfort. Let me say that again. I know that's a mouthful. While God's goal for your life is growth, Satan's goal is that you will become comfortable with the dysfunction of comfort. Pastor Stephen Furtick once said, the devil doesn't want you to get uncomfortable because then you will change. So he will make everything so comfortable so that we don't seek anything different. 
What Paul was doing is confronting the issues head on. You see, some people are so wrapped up in being a people pleaser, being liked by everyone, being kept comfortable, that they refuse to say what needs to be said because it won't be comfortable. But I'm here to tell you that the gospel's message is a message that requires a response. And there really can only be two responses. Are you going to accept it and be transformed into the person that Christ wants you to become or, and grow? Or are you going to follow the ways of the flesh and do what is comfortable and comes easy? When you settle on pleasing man, you are giving them what you should be giving to God. Now tighten your seatbelts. I'm about to go there. I am tired of the cute, comfortable, cozy church that is sitting idly by while the world is trying to dictate what we are and are not allowed to say. Well, pastor, we don't want to offend anybody, so we need to keep everything politically correct and neutral. Well, let me tell you something, darling. While you are wasting time being politically correct and dancing around the issues, I'm going to call what is sin, sin, and what is good, good, because I don't know how much time I have, but I don't have time to waste on being politically correct and cute. So you can go ahead and waste time on something that is not eternal. You can waste time being politically correct if you want. I'm going to choose those things that are of eternal value. Because how many of you know that next century, it'll be something else? The world will say, well, we need to act like this. We need to do this. Listen, man changes their opinion as many times as they change their underwear. I'm going to choose to trust in God's word because this is the never-ending, never-changing word. This is our standard. Some of the people that you are trying to please are asking you to do things that are contrary to what God has for you. And while you are wasting time working for them, you are slowly drifting away from God's purpose for your life. No wonder we have so many young adults that don't know what God wants them to do because they are spending too much time listening to man. Stop listening to man. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy and start asking God. Can I give you the raw, painful truth that, that might explain the motive behind your desire to please people? Lisa Turkhurst, and I'm going to refer to her several times in this, uh, wrote a book, and it was, uh, I believe it was prolific. Uh, it was a phenomenal book on boundaries. And she said this, We will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. We will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. While some may say that the approval of man means nothing to them, if we are all honest, we are programmed out of the womb with a desire to be liked by others and have their stamp of approval on us. The comfortable thing to do is to go with the crowd, but I feel the need to remind you that the crowd is not always right. The crowd was telling the Galatians that the only way to receive salvation was through works, but it didn't make it true. Here's what I want you to see. When you put more value, when you put more stock into man's opinion than you do the word of God, Houston, we have a problem. Some of you need to stop being like the Galatians. You need to stop allowing others to manipulate you and form you into what they want you to be and start allowing God to transform you into who he has created you to be. Will it be comfortable? Not likely. But here's what I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt. Whatever man has destined for you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you God has something much greater in his mind for your life. I want to say this again because this is so important for us to understand, church. Jesus came to confront, not to comfort us, not to condemn, 
but to confront. Here's how Pastor Stephen Furtick put it. Jesus came to confront the systems that kept the people in bondage and captivity. If we misunderstand the reason that Christ came, we will be confused about how we come to him. And he, we will begin to associate the presence of God in our lives with comfort. And we will associate the devil with confrontation and conflict. But sometimes it is the devil who is giving you comfort and it is God who is putting you in conflict. So here's what I want us to see today, friends. Some of you have been blaming the devil for God's handiwork. You see, I'm here to tell you that sometimes God wants us to be uncomfortable because he knows that if we're comfortable, then we'll be less likely to make a move. It's time to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So many people believe that the comfort is the ultimate goal, but let me tell you, it's rare for great things to happen in the midst of comfort. Some of you are trying to be good enough to be accepted by others, and you need to realize that God accepts you the way that you are in this very moment. The Galatians had an issue with this. They thought they had to earn God's love, but let me tell you something. You've already got his love. Thank you, Lord. You've already got it. You don't need to do anything for it. All you need to do is to receive it. Some of you think you have to be good enough to be accepted, accepted by others, and many people will make you change your life before they accept you for who you are, but I'm glad to tell you that God, that Christ will accept you just the way that you are but here's the only the asterisk the small print that you have to understand he will accept you the way that you are but he will not allow you to stay that way Amen. before I say this next statement I want to clarify that there is nothing wrong with helping someone that is in need but how many of you know that there is a lot of truth to that old saying give a man a fish and you feed him for a day teach a man to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime some of you are so wrapped up into making others feel comfortable by doing things that they should be doing on their own. And I'm here to tell you that it's not helping them. It is hurting them. I believe, again, Lisa Turker said it best in her new book. God may be allowing someone to experience temporary discomfort so they will turn their deepest longings over to him and receive what we ultimately cannot give them. She went on to say this. Keeping someone from feeling their own desperate need for God isn't love. It's cruel. I'm here to tell you that the greatest enemy of faith is not fear. It is familiarity. So our first point this morning, God's goal for your life is not to please you. It's to grow you. Our second and last point today, only two points today. Paul was a servant, not a people pleaser. I have one question for you today, and I want you to look introspectively and answer this honestly. Are you a servant or are you a people pleaser? There are many things that we could say about the Apostle Paul. Some find him too forceful. Some think he is too dogmatic. Others find him to be a great witness of God's grace. But regardless of what you think of him, there is one thing that I am sure of. He was devoted to serving Christ above all. And if we look at the life of Christ, we find that Christ was also devoted to serving. It's recorded in Matthew 20, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus did not come to the earth to be served. He came to serve us and to be our ransom. Now, the word ransom here means a price paid to release a slave from bondage. 
Seems like powerful language. We were a slave to sin, church, and Jesus paid our ransom. He deserved, we deserved death, and instead of us dying to sin, Jesus took that upon himself so that we can live a life victorious over sin. But here's the issue we often have. Whether it is taught to us or we just assume it, oftentimes we think that God's desire for us is to please everyone because he tells us that we are supposed to be a servant and a servant never says no to the one they are serving. So we think that when people tell us to jump, our only godly response is how high. The sad thing is our society applauds this behavior every single day day. What am I talking about? When you enable or please someone instead of serving them, they applaud by saying well done and they give you a pat on the back as though you did the right thing. What I want us to see today is that pleasing people and serving people are two totally different things. If you've ever worked in customer service, it won't take you long to discover that there are some people in the world that you are just not going to make happy regardless of what you do. Are there any customer service representatives in here? I'm seeing quite a few hands, and based on the laughter, I'm guessing you found that to be true too. But here's the problem we're faced with. If we're honest, when we serve people, we often don't get the recognition, the applause, the pat on the back. But if we please people, the accolades are abundant. So the question at hand is, are you in this thing for the accolades, or are you in this thing for the pure desire to see people grow closer to Christ? The Pharisees in Galatians 1 were preaching a message that pleased the people because it was familiar to them. But Paul wasn't concerned with what was familiar to the people. He was concerned with proclaiming and teaching the truth no matter what the cost was to his popularity. Can I just sit here for a minute? I want to talk to the young people in the house and even those watching online. I know we don't have many here today, but we've got some girls today that you're trying to impress that guy that you have a crush on. Some of you are putting on so much makeup and dressing so provocatively that people can't even recognize who you are because you're trying to act like someone you were never created to be. Darling, do not degrade yourself like that. And let me tell you something else. If it takes all of that to impress that guy, he is not worth your time and he's not going to stick around for the long haul. Be who you are and stop trying to impress and watch and see if God doesn't do exactly like he did for my wife and bring the man of your dreams right to your doorstep. <laughs> Guys, I'm not done. Guys, you've got your hair slicked back and you look like Danny Zoko from Greece with flies flying all around your head because you have so much product holding your hair up. Listen, that's not going to press anybody. If you want to impress someone, let's start with a shower and some deodorant. <laughs> and if you're feeling real adventurous, brush your teeth. Praise the Lord. <laughs> or you end up at the dentist and that's not a... <laughs> I'm just saying. And all the parents of teenagers in the house said, Amen, glory to the Lord. Listen, in five years, the very people that you are trying to impress will have forgotten all about you. So may I give you a little advice? I know I'm young myself, but here's what I would do. If you will start to refocus your attention and your admiration to the one that created you, you will find that he will never forget you and he has already accepted you just the way you are. Amen. You don't have to do anything. Just call on his name. Just call on his name. 
Pastor Craig Rochelle said, instead of focusing on what others think of me, I'm going to focus on who Christ says that I am. Here's how the wise Solomon put it in Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Now, I love how the Good News Translation puts it. We don't have it on the screens, but I'll read it to you. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Today, we have preachers that are more concerned with pleasing people than they are preaching the Word. Listen, if you're not happy with a message that I preach, you're welcome to email me at daniel at oxfordag.org. But the truth is... You're welcome, Pastor Daniel. He's watching right now. But the truth is, the Bible is my... He's the complaint department, by the way. All complaints go to Pastor Daniel. The Bible is my source. It's not man's opinion. It's not the government. It's not even my wife, who is right all the time. I love you, baby. My feet are firmly planted on the Word of God because it is the truth. I've already referred to her book several times, but Lisa Turkhurst... Uh, she wrote this book on helping people break free from bondage of pleasing people. Because I'm going to tell you, that is a bondage. It's a bondage. At the expense of losing your own self. There was a quote from her book that struck me hard. And it kind of, I believe, summarized this whole issue. She said, maybe the real core issue with people pleasing is that I fear there will be a devastating gap between what I think I need from God and what God will actually provide. Maybe I fear I must get from people what I am unsure God will provide for me. And if I fear God's provision is incomplete, I must fill in the gap with other people or I won't make it in this big, sometimes scary, often threatening and always chaotic world. Therefore, I have made people the answer to my security rather than God himself. And here's a sad reality if you're struggling with this today. There is not one person walking on this planet right now that is capable or designed to fill in those gaps. And here's a news flash, and it took me a while to learn this, and I don't know if I've mastered this yet. But every time that we fill in those gaps with people, instead of trusting in God, our insecurity is going to get worse because people will fail you time and time again. Amen. So you think you're fixing the problem, but you're only making it worse. But here's how we fix it. Put Christ back at the center. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. Whatever I need, God may use people, and I'm very thankful for that, but I'm gonna have my eyes focused on him. I want you to see that our pr primary example, Jesus was obedient to God and loved people well, all while maintaining a perfect boundary. He didn't please people, hoping to be well-liked and accepted by everyone. How many of you know that he made some enemies along the way? And let me just say, if you're trying to please people, I just want to put this out there. If Jesus was not able to please man, what makes you think that you are? Because last time I checked, he made a lot of people angry. And if Jesus was not able to make everyone happy and he was perfect in every way, what makes us think that we're going to do it? He didn't please people hoping to be well liked and accepted by everyone. Jesus, when people didn't like what he had to say and they walked away from him, and many people did read it, 
He didn't drop his boundaries, chase them down, and beg them to take him back. Jesus loved people enough to give them the choice to walk away. Some of you have people in your life and you are holding them captive because you think that you can't survive without them. And some of you have people in your life that are good to you, but they are not good for you. And it's time to let them go. So what's the point of this message today? If the praise team can come back, I'd appreciate it. What am I saying this first day of 2023? One of my favorite passages in scripture, I refer to it very often, is found at a time when Jesus was faced with the ultimate choice. Was he going to go through with this thing and see it to its completion or was he going to bail? How many of you know that it's easy to say it but it's not always easy to do it? He was faced with the reality of what was before him. It's a dark time for Jesus. He is mere hours away from being tortured for something that he didn't deserve. Judas, one of his very own, betrays him. And while I'm sure that his mind was swirling with many thoughts and questions, here's what Jesus does. Matthew 26, 39. Whenever I'm going through something, this passage always comes to my mind. Because I don't know if you guys remember those. I know it sounds cheesy, but I often think about those, what would Jesus do bracelets? That was very popular in the 90s when I was a kid. And you know, we look at that as being cheesy, but really and truly... That's what we need to ask ourselves when we're faced with a question, what would Jesus do in this moment? Well, here's what Jesus did whenever he was faced with, with a trial. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We all know that he had to suffer, that he had to die. So what do I love about this seemingly dark passage? It shows me that sometimes choosing to follow Christ is going to cost me. Sometimes it's not going to be comfortable. Sometimes it's going to be a bumpy ride. But at the end of the uncomfortableness, there will be a reward that will make it all worth it. Listen, the blessings are nice. The material blessings are really nice, but I don't really care about the material things. I just want Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I believe some of you are running on fumes because your aim is to please people and you are like the people that God addressed in Jeremiah that were going to empty cisterns for water. They kept going and every time they came back empty, handed. Friends, people pleasing will not fill the void that you have in your heart. Having a thousand friends that use you and abuse you will not fill in that gap. Only Jesus can fill that void and satisfy your soul. Here's what I believe. For those of you that are struggling with being people pleasers instead of a servant, if you can get to the place where you will quit trusting in man and start trusting fully devotedly to God to supply all of your needs, I believe you will see him come through for you in 2023 like you have never thought possible. God wants your total surrender. He doesn't want a part. He doesn't want a piece. He wants it all. It's all or nothing. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. 
Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.